Our next episode is Noelle, and Noelle is speaking about her son, James. James was an adopted child who Noelle and her husband were very excited and ready to take on this young boy. I met James as an infant. As James continued to develop, a little bit before age two, Noelle and I started noticing in certain situations that James was having a hard time staying focused, having a hard time sitting still, just not able to really focus on anything specific. And so at that point, Noelle and I decided that it was time to have James assessed and see what was really going on. Noelle and her husband really took it upon themselves to work with the early education system to get James assessed and find the right programs. When he was about four, was finally given some medication to help with attention challenges. And for James, this was an amazing turning point in his life. Yes, James is still on medication today, and he is doing wonderfully on it. And more challenges have come up along the way, as they do with children. I think it's an important piece to hear that medication does work for certain children, and sometimes it is the best approach, and sometimes we have to look at other alternatives. But for James and Noel, this has been a very positive approach to handling his challenges. I've had the opportunity of working with James for eight years. During this time, I have thoroughly enjoyed watching a family go from very little experience as parents to taking on this challenge with their son. And it's, it's my pleasure to have them as part of this podcast. Thank you, Mary Beth. And I call you my mom whisperer. She's guided me through many different things along our life with James. He joined our family through adoption when he was two days old. And I joined Mary Beth's parenting group. And he's very alert. And probably the second year we were with Mary Beth, just saw some signs of something's kind of different here. And so Mary Beth said, let's just observe him and see what we really can figure out. And he would run out of her story time, you know, just could not sit down and listen. He wanted to be out running outside. And when he started preschool, the first day, he was at a more academic style preschool. The first day it took me 30 minutes to get him off the stairs. And I cried, you know, I cried. I mean, it was very stressful and I called Mary Beth and we had an occupational therapy evaluation and determined he had sensory processing disorder. He's a sensory seeker and he basically was in a square school and he's a rolling circle. (laughs) And that's been our life since. And I was very stressed out about school. What setting would be best for him? Because it was obvious that sitting in a classroom with a lot going on was very difficult for him. And spoke to a lot of people. We ended up at the first preschool at the end of the year. They said, we'd love to have James back, but you're going to have to hire an aide 
to be with him. He's very impulsive when we can't trust what his next move is going to be. And so we moved over to a more developmentally based preschool, and I was very forthcoming with them as to, to what concerns we were seeing. And they said, well, let's try summer school and see how that goes. And they said, we'd love to have him back. And then halfway through the the next year, said, you should have him tested. He's, he's very impulsive. So we did through a couple of different professionals. And sure enough, his impulse control was 3% compared to his peers. And so we started him on medication when he was four and a half years old. And we wanted to have a handle on this challenge before kindergarten because I didn't want him labeled as a bad boy and have difficulties following him through his educational career. And so he did fine in school. He's smart. He's inventive. And in the end of second grade, we pulled him out, not specifically due to anything related to him, but things I was concerned about regarding safety and security at school. And so we brought him home to homeschool him, which has been the most wonderful thing we could have done. It's been a fabulous experience. We're finding that he does have some learning disabilities, and we're able to manage that, get help for that through our charter school, which is publicly funded. So he's getting an IEP, and we'll be getting some help for the different areas that he's struggling in. The thing that's been wonderful about homeschooling is that we can be flexible with where he's at. In the morning, we're not stressed. Well, there is stress uh, till the medication kicks in because medication completely reversed his impulse control to where it's 97%. I mean, it just did a 360. But the mornings are hard. He's very dysregulated. He wants to be running around outside, and he's very loud in the mornings and very chaotic. He struggles with just being able to sit and eat. He has to be moving. So being home, we don't have to be at a certain place at a certain time. So in the morning, we're able to go for a 30-minute walk, leisurely or as fast as he wants to go. We get home, and he's focused. He said, Mom, I'm ready to start school. And so we start whatever subject he feels like doing. He's motivated. He's interested. He will be doing Legos creations while we're doing division on a whiteboard because he struggles with writing. So I am basically his scribe. He's known as a party in a box, and he's known as three kids in one. (laughs) So he's got a lot of gifts. He made a Christmas ornament out of an electrical part so that a lot of people had fun with those. (laughs) I think just the stressful part is in the mornings, trying to come alongside him and be an encouragement rather than a discouragement, rather than a frustration to be, I appreciated the guardrails on a freeway analogy. My 
mindset every morning is to have grace and mercy toward him and toward myself and my husband. This is a journey that we're on to become better people, each one of us, and our goal is to help him recognize the strengths that he has and to be able to go forward in those areas the best he can and enable him to do that with whatever tools he needs. Our first day of homeschool, we went down to Corona Del Mar and did a tide pool study. The flexibility of homeschool has been great in finding what his gifts are. We would never have done piano lessons, and he loves piano. He reads music beautifully, can play the piano beautifully, and he doesn't have to be asked to practice. He just sits down and plays. And our neighbors say, his piano playing is beautiful. And so had we been in a very structured educational system where he had to be at school from this time to this time and then do two hours of homework, we would never have the time to delve into the different things that we never realized he was interested in. That's been a blessing to our family. Having him home, spending time with him, and making his experience in learning a positive one rather than frustrated with kids at school who are not following rules. He's a rule keeper and manages the rules of others. He enjoys the kids he's around. We're in a a couple of different co-ops during the week, and so he's with kids pretty much four to five days a week and has great interaction. There are small classroom settings of usually eight kids and has gotten to know really great kids in that way and have focused time with them and enjoying learning interesting things that they're interested in learning too. I do remember the day he was under the table at at the class that we were at together and he would not come out and I remember I remember looking into your eyes and I remember seeing the eyes of what's going on what's going on here what can I do I will think I want to go on this tangent with you a little bit because I think with all of our children and ourselves being a child who from growing up knowing that you were different knowing you didn't fit into the box and then being a parent and seeing your child not fitting into that box or seeing your child suffering on the playground or in the classroom you do go through a a moment in your life where you look at your child and say i'm sad i'm sad i'm sad i'm sad for my child i'm sad for myself as a parent you know we have our dreams we have our fantasies of what our child will be. You adopted your sweet child, James. You had hopes from the minute that he came into your life of what you wanted him to be, what you thought. John had dreams of his children, what he thought. Alice had dreams of Adam and Ava, and Sebastian and Tiffany had dreams of of Maria. We all have these ideas of what we think our child will be. And I think it's really important for us to step back. And I really want to take this time to make sure that we see that. There is that moment of grief and loss. I remember seeing that in your eyes that day. It was curiosity for both of us, like, okay, 
All right, he much rather would read a book while he's on a swing. Right, we talked about that. He'd much rather listen to a little bit of the story than go out and play that story out. And you were so good with that and so understanding of that, that it wasn't he had to sit in my lap and hold him and listen to that story. He took pieces of what we were doing and ran with it. And that's who he is to this day. He went under that table so he could process his world. Same as Adam processing his world. Same as Maria who processes her world differently. If you could just share your hopes and dreams and maybe the feelings that you did feel, because I know you did feel them and I, I saw the tears. We shared those tears together of what it was like to come to that realization that what your fantasy, what reality is, and it's not, there's no reason to be sad anymore. It's his journey now, it's his world. You are supporting him in that, so. Well, I was just baffled about the behavior that we were seeing. And I'm a rule keeper. I'm a, you know, this is how it is. And that's not just how it is. <laughs> and I remember Mary Beth said, let him run. Let him go outside. Don't hold him down in story time. And because I wanted a compliant child. I was a compliant first child in my family. You know, I never got spanked <laughs> and you know did things the way they should have been done and well not everything but <laughs> and so our little James kind of brought reality to my life he's not going to be a compliant child at times and that's okay as long as he's safe as long as other children are safe and as long as we can help him get to the places where he needs to be, that he's thriving, and that he feels good about his life and successful, and that he's happy about life. That is my goal. And he's probably one of the happiest kids in the morning. I mean, he's happy, too happy in a way. He just has just a, a lovely disposition in the morning, loud, but He's singing, and that makes me happy. As long as I know that I'm doing and my husband is doing the things that are going to instill in him that he's loved, no matter what he does, unconditional love, and the recognition that he is a little bit different, everybody's different, and Everybody has their strengths, and everybody has a weakness. And if he can tap into his strengths, then he will be an independent, happy person. Putting the box on him, like I was trying to do, would destroy him, would destroy any child, I think, if we don't allow them to roll around and figure out what they like, what they don't like, and then guide them along in the, on that freeway to the right off-ramps to where it leads to a successful or a happy life. I did grieve, and I still do, because we are getting some new diagnoses, and that's hard. But I also recognize that a diagnosis means we know what to do next. It's easy to say, I don't want to know, I don't want a diagnosis, I don't want a label. 
But if we don't know, but if I didn't know, then I wouldn't know how to best guide him as to where to get the help that he needs. So he's been in occupational therapy, physical therapy, social skills, individual therapy, vision therapy. I mean, he's done a lot of therapies. And we're not done, but he's improving. He's making gains, and he's more able to communicate his feelings rather than being upset. Well, he could be upset, but he's able to verbalize the feeling rather than go off in a tirade and not be able to really communicate well. So the grieving part is recognizing just who is normal, and nobody really is. (laughs) Well said. Very well said. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Everyday Parenting is produced by me, Teresa Wing. The music you hear on our podcast is courtesy of Stephen Morell. If you have a question for Mary Beth and the Everyday Parenting podcast community, please join us on our Facebook group. Just search for Everyday Parenting Group on Facebook. We're also still looking for episode sponsors. Rates begin at just $60 and you'll be reaching out directly to the parents who listen to this podcast. Don't miss our next episode. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts and don't forget to take the time out to find us and rate us on iTunes.